2: Brazil. Radio. Drivers, start
3: your engines!
1: Pick the pace car! What's for? Because you need any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! In driving. I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. You can see him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racist.
2: Race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, welcome to another edition of Drafting the Circuits Radio. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour or more as we discuss everything racing, uh, big weekend of racing coming uh, out of the Brickyard and more news coming out of Indianapolis from the IndyCar Series um, and, and more on that later. But first, let me introduce you to the panel we have tonight, uh, Mr. Gray Warren with me as always from Richard Childress Motorsports. Gray, how are you tonight?
3: I'm doing great. hope everyone
4: else
2: is. All right. And um, Gray's uh, colleague over there, Richard Childers, Richard Uden, with us once again. Richard, how are you?
4: I'm very good. Thank you. Yourself?
2: I'm doing excellent. And uh, it's just the three of us tonight. Uh, Seth Eggert, um, uh, he is off on assignment. He's at the uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway tonight um Christopher DeHardy, another one of our colleagues he's at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway um he was there all day for the test and I think now he's in bed he worked all night and uh headed up to watch the uh test so but let's uh first off uh, congratulations to um Casey Kane getting that hadn't won it forever monkey off his back uh taking a win on one of the one of the bigger stages in NASCAR the Brickyard uh 400 um this is a race that uh took a long time to complete, you know, between the um, the rain showers that came through early and then just some incidents later on with some uh, some wrecks and some red flags and some overtime. I believe the race, uh, uh, the green flag flew at 2.30 in the afternoon. I think the checker dropped about 9 p.m. Um, you know, a bit of a marathon there for everybody. Uh, Casey, for his part, looked uh, dehydrated and worn out after being uh, behind the wheels for so long, but... Uh, Thoroughly happy to have taken that win. So, um, uh, you know, with that being said, um, Greg, you want to go ahead and take us through some of the details of that race there?
3: Yeah, you know, um, back back for the twenty fourth time at Indianapolis for the for the Brickyard four hundred, and of course we had a we had a uh, I think our twelfth different twelfth or thirteenth different winner uh, this year in, in Casey Kane. Uh, you know, a somewhat improbable win. Uh, I guess we base that on on. Uh, uh, Casey's lack of success; it, it, his win broke almost uh, on almost a three-year drought. I think his last win was uh, in uh, September or August of uh, 2014. So, uh, you know, good to see him get back in there. That five car has has, uh, I believe, it's safe to say, underperformed for a number of years. But good to see that team uh, come out on top. Uh, Casey ran a good race; kept kept it in the top ten. Uh, uh, just about all day and uh, took advantage of all those uh, late-race restarts and was able to position himself. And, uh, of course, the late-raced uh, Keselowski for the win and uh, was in the right place at the right time when the final caution waved, and he was able to, uh, to pick up the win. But uh, an interesting race uh, started out. Uh, you know, Kyle Busch go, is trying to make history and go for three in a row, uh, three Brickyard 400s in a row, and, and was the dominant car, uh, I think, uh, winning the first two segments. Uh, of course he had, uh, he was cl- followed closely behind by the 78, uh, in those two segments. And I think those two cars probably w- were the two dominant cars and quite possibly had they not, uh, uh, gotten a wreck, uh, on the restart after the second segment, um, the the race probably may have come down to uh, those two guys vying for the win but uh, as it turned out uh, um, it was uh, it was a race of uh, track position kind of and and I think one of the things that led to so many crashes was uh, with this current arrow package and Indianapolis being the type of racetrack that it is uh, you really had to make hay on the restarts Uh, you had to get in position and take it past as many cars as you could uh, because once the cars got strung out, almost single file, it was very difficult to pass. And uh, that's why we saw uh, so much mayhem uh, on the restarts, uh, each and every one. Of course, that goes back to, the, to really the restart there with, uh, uh, with uh, Kyle Busch and, uh, and Truex uh, beginning the final stage of the race. Uh, they were racing down into turn one. Uh, Truex was the leader, having having picked up the lead on, on on exchange of pit stops, and Kyle Busch was going to try to race him uh, down into first corner and stay on the outside and stay close and try to uh, you know try to loosen up uh, the seventy eight. Well, he got him loose, all right. Yeah, and, and seventy eight. That was a, that was a hard hit, Kyle Busch. Traction and. and, and Yes, it was. And he, of course, those cars are barreling down into turn one. And uh, Kyle uh, committed to race him down into the to, down into the corner from the outside. And I think that's something they learned uh, through the course of the weekend, that if they stayed on the right uh, right rear corner of the car, much like uh, you know, some, how they how they race the trucks, that they could actually s- slow the slow the car down on the inside and kind of take some of the air off their spoiler and 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 get them loosen them up and and help them complete the pass well truex you know he he was bound and determined he was going to race down into the corner too uh he got loose drifted up into kyle and uh and the rest is history both cars were taken out taken out of the race after that the race becomes sort of a wide open affair uh had several different leaders ryan blaney led for a little bit uh you had keselowski lead lead some and uh just and then, of course, it became a strategy race. Then, with people trying to pick different fuel strategies, uh, trying to, to, to stretch fuel and, and uh, gambling on, on cautions. And yeah. then we had some of those late race. Uh, go go ahead.
2: Oh yeah, I was gonna say I think one of the telling moments there was that that that, that what looked like it would have been the last round of pit stops before the uh, the end of regulation, right? Um, you know, Kezlowski and some of those other fellas all took uh, four tires. Um, Kane stayed out. Um, he got the track position. And me, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the amount of laps left. I'm thinking, yeah, you know, a couple laps in once Kezlowski gets a tire. Well, what up, happened was. He's going to blow right by Kane, but they never did get enough laps in a row without somebody wrecking. And Kane was just able to, on every restart, make sure he would pull ahead. And, and you know, good driving on his part. But Brad never got the chance to really, uh, you know, kind of kind of overtake him on the fresh tires as i thought he would
3: well go back a few laps and and what really set it set it up was uh everybody was on a little bit different strategy and keselowski and some of those guys were trying to stretch their fuel but they weren't going to make it weren't going to make it to the end as some of the cars started to pit there was a big crash crash on the front straightaway the crash which involved clint boyer and uh jamie mcmurray and, and kurt bush i believe someone else was involved in it, but uh, Casey came to when that crash started, and the, and of course, the the, uh, the leaders, he beat the leaders back out, so when everybody else came down pit Road, that positioned Casey near the front, and of course, then we had the multiple restarts uh, from from that point forward, and it kind of, of course, uh, Keselowski was able to, come down pit road and, and get his tires and maintain, uh, maintain his track position because it had stayed green. He would have cycled back in the field and, and when, and when they had, when had a good finish. So it was, it was an opportune caution for uh, some of those guys. Uh, others, others pitted before that. And I think Brad stretched his to the, to the absolute limit before that, before that crash with uh, Boyer and Kurt Bush and, and, and some of those guys.
4: So anyway, so past- I, go ahead. There's a couple of interesting uh, takeaways I think from this weekend with the uh, Ashley revolving around the the two car. Of course, his his failure—I don't, I don't say failure to win—but um, you know, not getting crossed, not beating Canes to the line there. Uh, you know, had t- two sort of implications. Really, first of all, it extends Penske's lack of winning streak in the uh, uh, NASCAR series at the Brickyard because so dominant and so successful in uh, the 500, but. Never, uh, never having won the four hundred, but also Kane winning has quite a big knock-on effect on the twenty-two car because that now puts him of another position uh, outside of the playoffs. That's right. Because Kane wouldn't have gotten on points, so that's making you know but the twenty-two car. I think now pretty much has to win. I can't yeah. see as many ways of the twenty-two car getting in on points. And if Kozlowski had won, it would have made it a lot easier for the twenty-two. Oh, yeah, definitely. yeah. I mean Joey's a must
3: win right now, must win. For yeah, Joey. and and it's gonna. And of course, we've got what six races left before the uh, championship race? Is that
4: correct? Roundabout that, yeah. It's late August. Yeah. yeah.
3: So, so basically, um, you know, we a lot of guys are 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 gonna have to pick it up. Kyle Busch is another one. I think Kyle would be safe on points unless. Uh, yeah, you know, we, had, we had other winners, but you got to figure Kyle Busch just runs too well. Each week to not pick up a victory between now and and the and the start of the chase, and I look for him probably to pick one up, and it's several others, and these guys that are, you know, back in that in that uh, below sixteenth in points, um, you know, if we end up having, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, if we end up having seventeen different winners uh, in this season, which we which we. Really could have. That's going to put some people right there at the back end uh, of that winners list that that may not make uh, make the chase. So yeah, you're right, Richard. That did kind of throw a wrench in Penske's deal. It's going to put the pressure on the 22 to try to pick up another win to kind of erase that encumbered win from Richmond earlier.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And then the other. The other thought I was thrown in there—we're talking about Kyle. If he doesn't win, is he still going to make the thing? Because Kyle has won a number of stages. That, yeah, because you know, we have the, the separate playoff points and then yeah. the regular points. Yeah. Kyle's earned a number of playoff points, but just by winning several stages. So I believe, unless we have, like you said, 17 winners, and Kyle's not one of them, I believe
4: he'll—he's really safe on points.
3: Well, Kyle's got a goodly number of, of top five and top ten finishes as well.
4: I think the only thing that Kyle maybe have to be, you know, the, the concern about is, uh, you know, maybe the 20 car gets a win. Um, road course, who knows? You could get, you know, the 47. HJ uh, yeah. sneaks a win there. And then, you know, then he's sort of on the bubble there a little bit. And if you get, you know, similar to what you saw Pocono uh, last year with Chris Buescher getting a win, if you get some, you know, complete left-field winner, Mm-hmm. Then I think that could that's probably what's gonna I think if he can get through Watkins Glen with one of the existing winners winning or him winning, um I think he'll be safe. The only thing that could really sort of throw a wrench in the works of him.
3: Yep. Absolutely. And two, you know, we we're looking at uh we were looking at some other guys. Matt Kenseth is you know, he's run well enough. He he could he could quite possibly uh pick up pick up a win. You know, we're waiting for Chase, Chase Elliott to uh, To probably pick up a win, and we're going to uh, we're going to Michigan coming up here in a couple of weeks. And uh, you know, Chase Elliott is on a really good string of uh, top top two finishes up there, so he could uh, he could change all that and and pick up a win for that twenty four car up there as well. But uh, yeah, it's going to get interesting these last six races because you're going to see some guys trying to really that, that really need to position themselves for the playoffs. Are really going to start to uh, to work to work hard to get uh, to get their uh, cars in. Um, Absolutely. Another thing, yeah. you know, it, another thing about uh, this weekend's race course, we had weather uh, come into it uh, uh, to play uh, a little bit a little bit different schedule this week uh, for for the Cup teams. The uh, Cup teams actually went into the track at 9 p.m. on Friday night to uh, park the trucks unload the equipment and set up their garages and then went in and did all their practice and qualifying, uh, on Sunday. I mean on Saturday and then, and then raced on Sunday. So that was somewhat unique, uh, from past, a departure from past Brickyard 400s. And then one thing I want to call to your attention this weekend when we get ready to preview it, but our next race is Pocono. And this will be, uh, that new system where NASCAR is trying to go in and do, do basically a two-day show uh the teams will arrive uh and on on late friday but there'll be no cup activity on friday uh there'll be two practices on saturday qualifying will take place on sunday morning at 11 o'clock and then the race will follow uh sometime after possibly about two two thirty three o'clock uh after, after uh, qualifying on Sunday. So this will be something new, and that's something NASCARs wanted to try, and I believe they're going to do that at two races this year. Uh, of course, Pocono being the first, and then Martinsville uh, in October will also uh, have that same format. So a uh, uh, little, little, little interesting twist to things coming up uh, in that regard.
2: Now, one thing I wanted to bring up and talk about was the Xfinity race. Um, They tried a different package with the Xfinity. I mean, we had a restrictor plate on the car. um, And and contrasting the Xfinity action to the the cup action, uh, you you know, I thought the Xfinity race, um, which uh, young William Byron won, by the way, uh, was a pretty darn good race. I kind of liked, you know, it wasn't, it didn't turn into a pack race like you see at Daytona Talladega. And we had talked about this a little bit last week. But uh, do you guys feel that maybe... um, you know the because that Xfinity race seemed to run really well that, that we may see that at the um, at the on the, on the well couple at the Brickyard in the in the
3: future. Obviously, that was the that was the intent with this package. NASCAR wanted to test it with the uh, with the uh, Xfinity teams to see maybe if some of the stuff could tra- trans- translate to the Cup cars. Um, I thought it was an interesting race. I thought it was a better race than we've than past races we've seen, uh, much better than the last two uh, Xfinity races at uh, at the Brickyard. Uh, a little more passing, a few more lead changes during the course of the race. I think there's still a little bit of tweaking to do. I would like to have seen them not do the restrictor plate uh, and see what would happen with that with that with that arrow package and not having a restrictor plate. Give them a little bit more power, a little bit more throttle response, and maybe they would have been able to pass a little bit more. Uh, it seemed like s- sometimes that that uh, some of the passing was still hard fought. I mean, y- it wasn't uh, where you could actually, you know, draft by the guy. I think you needed a little bit more horsepower, and I think the uh, the uh, restrictor plate maybe uh, kind of held them back a little bit. So I'd like to see them do that package quite possibly without the uh, the plate and see what happened what was your take richard
4: um yeah I, I tend to agree there as you say i think the uh you know the, the previous races that uh, we've seen at the brickyard on the uh, xfinity side have been a little bit pedestrian and uh, not really captured people's imaginations and obviously there was a lot of pressure on them this week to have a good race after announcing these new regulations and i think it would have probably got even better reviews and and, and people would have been more on board with it if we hadn't seen such a a relative exciting um cup race i mean at the end of the day the cup race was exciting because people kept driving into each other the xfinity race was exciting because people passed each other um so i think definitely it was an improvement i also tend to think there's a little bit of you know nasty. with the lucky land
0: slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: NASCAR's sort of trying to take all the adulation for, for coming up with a, an improved aero package, but you've got to also remember that NASCAR are the ones that created the bad aero package in the first place.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's so a good, point. good
4: point. Good point. They fixed their own problem, which is like, okay, well, <laughs> you know... <laughs> so um but you know they, they, they do have to do it and they do have to make it and they're being proactive about it and they're trying to encourage it and you've got to give them credit for that yeah. um, it, it certainly was an improvement and, and hopefully uh, you know we, we can go forward from there and and we can improve that quality of the racing because it was certainly was a better quality race without any doubt
3: it was it was that and i, I do believe i'd i'd like to see you know of course they could they can also also tweak it but i think i'd like to see, I like to see them go by that arrow package with the tall spoiler and yeah, more
4: downforce, yeah, yeah, yeah more that
3: downforce. Was. Those, uh, but, but no give, yeah, give them some, give them some throttle response where they can, where they can get back to the gas coming off the corners, and I think that that would may even enhance more passing.
4: Well, yeah, you, you see in in lots of motorsport series, and I know we're going to discuss uh, shortly the new IndyCar package, but you know. In recent years, in Formula 1, they've tried to take grip away from the drivers. and I know in NASCAR they've tried to take grip away from the drivers as well and said, oh, you're going to see cars sliding and cars hitting the wall and you're going to have 10 people finish each race and all this sort of stuff. What you have to remember is that these drivers that, that get in these cars are some of the best drivers in the world, and they will react to whatever you give them. Uh, right. you know, if you give them a tractor to race, they'll race it. Right. And you know, they'll be competitive, and they will find a way of making them competitive so all of this talk of taking downforce away on two levels is a bit of a misnomer really because firstly the drivers will react and the drivers are super talented and they will drive around it but also the teams you you take downforce away in one area and within a few months they'll spend their budget on wind tunnel time and aero development they'll find that downforce back again pretty quickly so it's a you know, it's a bit of a chicken and egg sort of situation all the time. You you take with one hand, and eventually the teams will catch up, and the drivers will catch up. So, you know, maybe you've got to realize that you know, taking away the downforce isn't the way to go. Give them downforce, allow them to run close to each other, uh, and 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 see where see where we go from there.
3: Yep. It, like I said, it. it I, I'll agree. NASCAR is being proactive. You got to give them give them that. They're not they're not resting. They're trying to improve their product. So we. We've got to applaud them for that. And and like we said, uh, young William Byron picks up his third win, third Xfinity win of the year. Uh, been been quite impressive since uh, he picked up his first win. I believe uh, you know he finished second to Denny Hamlin at Michigan, and then he goes to uh, Iowa and picks up the win, and then Daytona, and then and then Indianapolis. So. Uh, Good things coming out of there. The junior motorsports cars were strong this weekend. I think they, they, their, their cars kind of, they as much as anybody, had that aero package figured out and kind of closed the gap on, on what the uh, Joe Gibbs uh, Xfinity teams had been doing at Indianapolis. So uh, that was encouraging. Uh, still a little disappointing in the crowd. I thought the crowd was a little bit better uh, for the races this weekend. Uh, at Indianapolis. Uh, it didn't look like it on TV, but yeah, I obviously say, yeah, I th-
2: it, it depends on it depends on who you believe. I've I've heard, you know, cuz NASCAR doesn't report attendance figures. I mean, I've heard anywhere from 35,000 to 50,000 um which yeah. and- I thought
3: it was a little better, a little better than last year. Not 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 a great deal better, but 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 then again, you know, it, it, Indianapolis has over 250,000 permanent seats. Oh, yes, they so- do. Yeah, so and yep. and that's gonna be that's gonna be quite deceptive. And the, and the, you're not gonna you're not gonna put fans all the way around the track and fill up everything. I thought I thought the front stretch, some of the up high on the front stretch looked pretty good. Uh, decent crowd on the on the on the pit side. There yeah, it looked like uh, there was a
2: good crowd in turn one.
3: Yeah, turn one, turn, was turn a good one crowd is a great and...
2: place to watch from. Mm-hmm, um, yep. Yeah. But so, I mean the whole the whole the whole turn three. That I think they didn't even sell that grandstand.
3: Yeah, uh, and and. You know, and, so. and he, the, the, the North End wasn't wasn't much but but there again uh, you know we can debate that keep going I think you know moving the race to September next year may be a start in the right direction because it is it is awful hot there and you have to uh, you have to deal with those uh, those showers in the afternoon in the Midwest and of course uh, late start time you know with that race kind of uh, I think I heard Kevin uh, uh makes some comments that he wasn't really crazy about the late start time, particularly being, you know, he's a Midwesterner, and he knows how those storms pop up that time of year. Uh, so, you know, unfortunately, the race drug on, and, and it was almost 9 o'clock Eastern when it was over. Uh, but, uh, again, gives the fans a lot to talk about. Some fans are going to be upset. Some fans are going to be happy. Some fans you are going to hear the gamut. Some are going to enjoy it. Some are going to hate it. But there again, the twenty-fourth edition of the Brickyard four hundred is in the books,
2: and Richard, you got a couple of points here. We'll we'll give you the last uh, the last words out of Indianapolis, and then well, we'll very look, quick. Then we'll preview Pocono.
4: Yeah, very quickly. Looking, uh, you know, we discussed the uh, Xfinity uh, race there and the the immense talent that I think is emerging there with uh, William Byron. You know, winning was it third race? I think you said great is won this yeah. year. Third, third race. That's correct. And he's obviously part of the the Hendrick Motorsport stable, I guess, of, of talent. And you know, what do you guys think about what Rick Hendrick's going to do with his drivers? Obviously, you've got Jimmy Johnson and Chase Elliott, and now um, you know the eighty-eight tied down to long-term contracts going forward. Obviously, the five car is a little bit up in the air, and we saw you know obviously get the win this week. Does that really give him another year or two? I mean one one win doesn't make you know make up for all the years of struggles there no, but this, think- is it too young to put the, is it too soon to put this young kid straight into the five car or do you do you go with it i, I don't I know think- because you know you know
2: junior you know, dale junior they had asked him about william byron uh, taking over the 88 and, and junior's own own uh, comment was that the kid needs another year or two in xfinity but uh, i don't know this you know racing is becoming a young man's game I mean, if you, yeah, well, look, if, if you look at some of the really young drivers doing well, look at your guys like, oh, uh, Max uh, Verstappen, you know, yep. um, who they they went ahead and and, and took him out of the uh, took him out of the Torosso, put him in the Red Bull, and he's winning. So I, I don't I don't see a reason to hold the kid back. I, I mean, maybe well, he'll have a tough freshman year, but um, you know, if
3: uh, I think I I tend to think, and, and I'm old school in and, and that. I tend to think another year of seasoning in the in the Xfinity series will not hurt him one bit. I'm a, there there is a big jump <laughs> going from Xfinity to Cup. Uh, these these kids today are racing in a somewhat watered down uh, Xfinity series from what it's been in the past. There's only a sprinkling of Cup drivers in it from what it used to be. So these guys these guys and, and there's not that many good cars let's face it in the xfinity series quality quality rides uh he has he's got immense talent he's a quick study he's learning uh things but i think he he, that extra year of experience will be invaluable before he steps up because this it's a it's a tough nut when you step up to to that uh to the thing We, we look at chase Elliott. chase Elliott was gangbusters in uh in the Xfinity Series, uh, one races right off the bat in his rookie season. I uh, believe he won the, won the championship in his rookie season. He goes to cut up, and obviously he struggles. He had some good runs, had some flashes of brilliance, but he struggled. Um, I, I think, you know, I think, too, any, anybody in that situation, uh, it's, it's just a tougher thing to learn uh, a lot of similarities but I just I just think he will be better off but to answer your question Richard, about the about the Hendricks stable they they've they've already uh, signed I think they, they uh, said last week that uh, they've, they've got their driver for the 88 for next year they're going to put the kid in it that did so well form uh, last year replacing junior uh, he's going to get his chance in that car I think Casey kane like you said is still up in the air I think the only thing that would probably keep him in that ride. Another year would be an awful strong showing. Uh, the rest of the year and in the playoffs.
4: Yeah, and then if you do go down that route of giving giving Baron another year, and you replace Kane in the five car, you know who's going to step up and take one year in the five car? Would Matt Kenseth do it?
2: I mean, Matt for a Ken- year? I mean, because you know if you're looking for a guy who maybe just wants to run another year maybe Kenseth's your guy, you know, whoever, yeah, signs,
4: whoever, whoever signs is. Kenseth needs to understand it's
2: not going to be a long-term deal, you know, so, yeah, uh, whoever takes it
4: knows it's only a year at most, so, yeah,
3: bit of a, th- it might be a good situation for Kenseth because he knows he's out, he knows he's out at Joe Gibbs, uh, he could, he could kind of take that ride if he was offered that ride, take it, and, and end his career on his terms.
4: Yeah. And the uh, final point I wanted to make: I, I don't, the storm that was um, that brewed on Saturday at Indianapolis with the sandwich gate. Anybody uh, see that? No, I've, I've
3: uh, refreshed my oh, uh, Kevin,
4: Har, Kevin Harvick spotter was um, handing out sandwiches uh, to some of the other spotters on Saturday during one of the practice sessions, and threw a sandwich to one of the other spotters. The other spotter missed it. And it fell from the pagoda onto one of the um, terraces below. A NASCAR official comes up to the spotter, and I, I don't I can't remember how spotter's name off the top of my head, and re- removes him from the spotter stand and confiscates his hard card in the middle of practice because for, he for dropped dro- for dropping a
2: sandwich. Correct. I hadn't heard that one, but uh, that's one of the otter stories coming out of the weekend,
1: that's for sure.
4: And then uh, on race day morning, NASCAR obviously realized that they overacted a little bit and tried to do a big PR thing with, hey, you know, handing out sandwiches to everybody, and this guy just wasn't <laughs> having any of it.
3: <laughs> well, i I, I, tell you, I tell you what happened in that incident. I would imagine NASCAR got an earful from Haas and Stewart uh, on that deal, and uh, and pretty much had to back down these owners still have some clout when it comes to things like that and i would imagine oh, yeah. that's why that's probably why they reversed uh, reversed field on that and and were and did realize they'd overreacted after that but the, uh, the
4: there's uh, kicking around on um, on the Nassau website there's the the audio from the practice and it's brilliant and the, the spotter comes on and he goes, hey, guys, you're going to have to, you know, get somebody else to, to, to come up here and, and spot for Kevin. I said, well, are you okay? You know, thinking, is he sick or something? And like, yeah, no, I just dropped a sandwich at NASCAR. I've confiscated my hard card. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> wow.
2: Unbelievable. So, um, <laughs> hey, on, on another NASCAR note, um, uh, Brad Keselowski announced uh, today, well, today is – Tuesday, our show will broadcast Thursday, so uh, it'll be old news by the time you here. But uh, he signed an extension with Team Penske. Um, you know Keselowski was one of the names kind of floating around in the off season. I've always kind of felt that he was going to stick with Roger, but uh, you know the deal wasn't done. But now the deal is done. So Brad will be in that uh, number new, number two car for another couple of years. So uh, so that takes Brad out of the mix in in the silly season. And um, yeah,
3: and then, so, yeah, yeah. You had to figure that was coming, and Brad is Brad's is, is to be considered one of the elite uh, drivers in the series. And Penske was going to do whatever they whatever they could. Yeah, champ- right. Every championship contender. And every he's, year. he's
2: in a good situation. I mean, he's got a crew chief that he works well with, um, and he's uh, yeah. So um, you know, great on them to just maintain that relationship.
4: I'm sure yeah. he got a few extra dollars out of it. I'm sure he knew, and I'm sure they all knew each other were playing the game on that one. Yeah, and
1: yeah, Roger's, yeah,
3: Roger's loyal to the guys that, that you know Roger is, is over the years has proven to be loyal to the guys that that perform for him and uh, and that, that's that's no difference and I'm sure that uh, when Logano's uh, contract comes up he'll be rewarded in, in, in much the same way and we still keep hearing the rumors of the expansion to a third uh, team over at Penske as well and uh, of course everybody, that's uh that says that says that young ryan blaney will be in a third penske call but yet that is yet to be announced or you know anything come out of that but like i said that's uh that's one of the big rumors circulating in the garage and
2: speaking of ryan blaney ryan blaney won at pocono uh last month and the series is back to pocono uh next week so uh let's do a little quick preview of pocono um one of my favorite racetracks. I, you know, my family. Uh, I've got a lot of family up there in the Pocono Mountains area. I've been to that track many times. I've I've driven that track, driven the road course in a Formula V. Uh, love that place. Um, mm-hmm. But
3: uh, yeah, who, you know, what do you guys like? Well, you know, when we're talking about Pocono, when we were last there, of course, like we talked about, Ryan Blaney did did pick up the win there. But uh, you know, it was our it was our first trip with the new low downforce package. Uh, that was instituted at the beginning of the year, and some of the teams uh, encountered some brake issues in the in the uh, in the last race. There, of course, we saw big hits for uh, Jamie McMurray, and, and uh, of course, uh, the 48 had probably one of the hardest licks he's had in quite some time uh, there too. When he had uh, when he had a, a brake failure as well, I think some of that issue, some of those issues, have been resolved. I don't think we'll see some see any of those same issues there because uh, uh, teams are probably going to go up with a little bit more beefier uh, brake package uh, than, they, than they had before. But uh, I look for the same cast of characters to be good. I think Kyle Busch. Of course, Kyle Busch, uh, that's another race where they kind of kind of shot themselves in the foot there uh, late in the race, and uh, a pit strategy kind of caught them. Uh, they were on old tires, and, of course, they ended up losing to, uh, to uh, Blaney and Harvick uh, a, a, a late race restart. And uh, of course Blaney gets, gets the win, but I'm going to have to look, I gonna have to say Kyle Busch is probably going to be, uh, you know, going to be a favorite at just about everywhere he goes in these last six races, trying to get that win to solidify his place in the, in, in the, uh,
4: in the playoffs.
2: And uh, Richard, what are your thoughts there?
4: Pretty much echoing exactly what, uh, what Gray said. It would be, um, you know, in a way, very, very similar sort of track to Indy. Uh, I expect to see the, the sort of um, same guys that you saw up there at the front, the 78, 18, uh, will, will probably be be strong again. Uh, you know, the time's running out for the 18. You expect to see those guys probably start pushing it harder and harder in terms of, you know, pushing the boundaries of the regulations, pushing the boundaries of, of how hard they're driving. Um, I mean, one of the most interesting things that I heard coming out of Indianapolis was that... Um, uh, Post qualifying, uh, Kyle Busch turned around and said that you know that they unloaded straight off the truck um, in race trim because it was a two-day show. They they didn't do a qualifying run uh, in practice, changed it from race trim into qualifying trim and stuck it on pole. You know that shows incredible. Um, Preparation through the simulation tools and and back at the shop with the crew chiefs and the race engineers, so they've got to take credit for that. And it shows you how strong the organization is. So again, you'd expect them to be to be up there, you know, this weekend. Yeah.
2: I, 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 <coughs> and an interesting point is one of the there's one of the few tracks left that uh, Kyle Bush has not won at in the in the at the Cup level is Pocono. Kyle doesn't have a Pocono win at the Cup level. So uh, have, yeah they're in Charlotte. Yep. 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 So to see him win there would be uh you know not only getting him into the playoffs this year but uh you know not you know knocking another one off the list. So um so uh so Gray you're going for Kyle Richard? You're also going for Kyle?
4: I'll go for the 78. Well, yeah,
2: Truex <laughs> is the one there. I mean, you know, you would be silly. I think he's
4: between two. one of those two. I think it's between one of those two. Yeah. Uh, Richard, I think they unload like they did last week. Yeah, they're going to be good. And
3: Harvick's going to be tough, too. I mean, Harvick, Harvick has run well there.
4: Uh, yeah, he could he, have. You could argue he could have won. Yeah. Um, and I tell you, you know, young yeah. y- young
3: Blaney, he's going back with a ton of confidence there, you know, knowing he, he can get it done there. So, yeah, it, I, I think it'll be a wide-open race. But there again, I think you're going to see your, you like, the 78 and the 18 lead the charge. Yeah. You're going to yeah. have to beat them.
2: Yeah, now as I look at the you know the former winners at Pocono, I always remember the uh, the sweep from Dale Junior a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think it would it would please NASCAR fans so much to see Junior win one this year in his final year, but uh, as, as I watch him week in and week out, I just don't see it happening, honestly, you know. But but this may be this may be his best shot um, for a win there. So uh, uh, you know, with that, that being said, I'll pick Joey Logano.
1: Because, okay.
2: Uh, so, yeah. <clears throat> I you know, I I just um I don't know I just I just don't think Junior's feeling it this year. I don't know. I uh,
4: you know it's like um we can fundamental failures there. At the, you know the race last month where you know he, he was uh, missing shifts and I mean fundamental problems there. I mean right, right. You know as I think I mentioned at the time you. you You saw the interview that he gave um, after he retired from the the, the first Pocono race, and he just didn't seem with it. You know, you know, you see a lot of the NASCAR guys when they have a, you know, when they get knocked out of the race or they've crashed out or they've had a technical failure. You know, they're always quite upbeat about it and positive and doing the old PR sort of uh, movement. But he just was really down, and it was almost like that's a beaten guy there. Mhm.
2: Yeah. But on a side note, he has uh, announced that he will be with uh, NBC Sports Network next year in the broadcast booth. So, uh he he has a uh you know, pretty good job lined up uh post racing. Um and he's, you know, still a team owner with Xfinity. So, uh I, you know, I just I would love to see Junior win one more um for his fans, but but I just I just don't see it happening. So, um so I'm I'm going to say Joey Logano wins this one to get that encumbered <laughs> get that encumbered one put away and get a spot in the chase so but with no further ado let's uh let's uh move on from indianapolis um where we uh had the brickyard and go to indianapolis where they unveiled the 2018 IndyCar car uh, um this week um that we have seen renderings of the car um we've seen the concept drawings the renderings and uh, whatnot, but we got to see the actual cars unveiled at the Speedway, and then we got to see the actual cars test. Um, this new car has been very well received by the media and the fans. Um, some of the biggest changes to the car that are noticeable is um, the, the giant airbox is gone. I mean, the, and that needed to go. The airbox was a throwback to the IRL day where the airbox was necessary for the um, normally aspirated engine. The turbocharged engine does not need that air box, so, so they, they took that thing out, uh, made the, the, the back behind the driver look more like a 1990s car-to-car, car, um, which was a uh, you know, golden era of old open-wheel racing. They've shifted the weight in the car forward, um, which is going to give the car better balance. Uh, they've taken off the rear pods, uh, buffers, which is, has less weight on the back of the car, again, you know, contributing to that waste shift forward. And one of the things that drivers have been asking for is they want a car that generates more downforce from the under tray and less downforce from the top of the car. Um, and IndyCar has done that. IndyCar and Dallara have done that. Uh, this new car generates 66% of its downforce through the under tray. Um, all these little winglets and little crazy extra rear wings are gone. Um, they tested the car's, uh, had a trouble free run. They actually had scheduled a two day test. Um, you know, day, day one to accomplish everything, day two in case they have any problems. They had a, a problem free day on Tuesday. Um, got everything accomplished in one day. The drivers were Order Servia and Juan Montoya. Um, Servia said, The car just feels right. He said, um, The balance feels right. The car feels good. He says, I was flat out on my first lap. He said, that's not a testament to me being stupid. That's a testament to how good the car is. Uh, Montoya drove the car. He, he also uh, had high marks for the car. Um, he said that, I believe that in this car you'll be able to be more aggressive. He says, not only does it drive better around Indianapolis, but I believe it will drive better everywhere. So have either one of you gentlemen had a chance to have a look at the uh, the new cars or read any of the of, of the, um you know, the, the news coming out of the test. And I will tell you, they, they were not after speed today. Um, the, the lap times were not released, but uh, from some unofficial observers with stopwatches, uh, they were running in the 218, 219 range, which is, you know, 10, 10 12 miles off of uh, what uh, would have won the pole there uh, just in, in testing single car on the track. So, uh, But had guys had a chance to see the new car? I I, I love it. I think it's stunning.
3: I do too. I think it looks it looks really nice. It's sleek. It's a low profile. It's a low profile car. Uh, one of the curious things that we saw, of course, obviously the the the, the version that we saw today was the speedway version of it. Uh, and, and of course, gone are a lot of those. Uh, the, as you mentioned, a lot of the uh, excessive winglets on the front and the rear. I'm just curious to see. I would like to see what the uh, what the uh, the intermediate track or the uh, or the uh, road uh, road race package looks like if that uh, if that wing is going to be a little higher up uh, for it. I, I, you know, just like to see it in contrast to the to the speedway. But it's slick. It's a beautiful car, uh, right. and, very slick.
2: And we'll see the we'll see the road course package on August first. August 1st they'll be testing a road course package in Mid-Ohio after the mm-hmm. IndyCar race weekend on that Monday. Um they're going to be testing the road course version
3: of the car in Mid-Ohio. So you just but, be curious to see how how that differs, you know, and I'm I'm certain they're going to have to have, you know, the going to have to look, the wing configuration is going to be somewhat different for that, but but it's a be, but it's a beautiful race car and it looks fast and usually when it looks fast, they are fast
4: right that's and- no, very true i mean um yeah I, I think one of the big benefits that they are going to see from this and reading some of the literature that nascar or sorry, indycar put out today was you know not just the performance and not just the visuals but also the accessibility to some of the smaller teams in terms of running costs they were on about a, a 30 to 40 percent reduction in running costs when it comes to spare parts and and replacement parts for the car which you know, as much as you know, we all watch the uh, you know the Penskes and uh, and the Ganassi's and the Andretti's of this world. You know, it is the smaller teams' survival and bringing new teams in as well, which is is key to to any motor series, motor racing series these days. So, I think that has to be applauded from NASCAR and Delara's standpoint to to, to, to keep uh, to keep that in mind and to encourage some you know new teams into the sport and get as many people out there as possible.
3: Yeah, that's one of the things that that hopefully that they're leaning toward and and bringing in some uh, bringing in some other engine manufacturers and a little bit more variety uh into the sport would be terrific. I think that you know in order for Indy to 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 capitalize on on where they're at right now Indycar racing they're going to have to uh to grow beyond their current state. Not but it's going to have to be, you know, well thought out they ain 't going to have to jump into it and, and, and do something stupid, but basically uh, some control growth uh, to kind of take what they've got and, and and run with it
4: i mean they 've got a great product, they just need to market it better I think and get it get more people involved with it I mean as you say when you look at uh, I think it was the Phoenix race earlier in this year, you know earlier in the year you had more people watching Alonso's rookie test at Indy a couple of days later than you did the the, the, mm-hmm. the Phoenix race. And uh, I mean, Phoenix is a great track for IndyCar. So it's, they, they, they really do have to look at them, you know, as much the engineering side of it as, as the marketing side, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the marketing definitely in IndyCar has always been suspect. <laughs> and that's <laughs> a- a- any long term IndyCar car fan will tell you that why can't we just get our product out to fans because it is so good but uh especially on the old also, tracks, was- why they can't fill the overs i don't know but uh, the, the new car not only is it does it look good uh not only does it drive very well according to the drivers that drove it today but uh, there's a number of safety enhancements in there as well i mean they have um they, they've uh, upped the um the side impact um
3: Protection. The, pod, the pods the, the, on the bottom. The they, they, the, the,
2: they made the, the pods stronger on the top uh, in the event of uh, like, like the Dixon sort of thing we saw at Indy. Uh, they've also, I mean, they, they've done these things with the domed skids and then the holes in the floorboard to keep the cars from getting airborne, but now all that is going to be integrated into the car. And then the other thing they did from a fan perspective is their little that their little digital display. You know, that tells you mm-hmm. what position they're in mm-hmm. or if they're on push-to-pass. That's going to be enhanced with uh, even more information uh, for the fantasy. I'm not exactly sure what all is going to be there. The uh, article I read wasn't clear. But they've also pre-wired these chassis with uh, a couple of additional in-car camera um Points for these high def cameras and one of those is going to be right in the nose of the car and the other one right on the rear attenuator um right under the rear wing so there's going to be some uh, pretty amazing uh camera angles we'll see uh i I mean you know gray you've been watching racing uh, a long time and you remember early in car cameras when they first started Mm -hmm. to do this thing um, mm-hmm. and the images that that we can see now if you've seen any of these um the the, the GoPro visor cam um things that uh, the IndyCar guys are doing uh, we're going to see some amazing shots there and then the cars will be pre-wired to have them all in there uh for for every car in the field so uh
4: right and, uh, and, and, that's, and that's that's to enhance year.
2: the fan perspective yeah
3: and of course they're talking about the visor cam uh NBC has used that uh since they took over uh for Fox uh, at Daytona, they've instituted the uh, the visor cam also. And uh, one of the more interesting views this weekend, uh, Kurt Busch had the visor cam on, and it really took us for a ride when he was collected in that in that crash for with uh, with uh, Clint Boyer uh, at Indy. So yeah, interesting interesting views from that. Also, w- while we're talking about the, the new Indy car. Uh, You mentioned they were going to test August 1st at Mid-Ohio, and also they're going to test at uh, Iowa on August 10th, and then September 26th, they plan to test a new car at Sebring. So uh, it's still a a work. uh, They're still working on it, trying to develop it, but uh, give give IndyCar credit. They're not going to stop, and by the time they hit the ground running next spring, uh, they should have a... uh, pretty much a proven product.
2: Yes. And, again, like I said, it's been very well received by both the public, uh, the media, and and the people involved in the sport. Now, um, to contrast this, Formula One announced a few weeks ago they're going to, to mandate the Halo and this has been very poorly received by the fans, the media, and the and the folks in charge. But now now Richard, I know you've got some experience in Formula One, and you and I had a conversation one time about just exactly how strong those the rollover hoops are, the roll hoops are in the car. Um, and you told me you were involved in some of the, the stress testing for those. One of the one of the the craps on the Halo other than the fact that it looks that it's ugly and it looks like a giant flip flop on the car, is that if something were to hit this, it would break the halo and cause more shrapnel. Um, do you think that is warranted, or is this thing a whole lot stronger than it looks based on what you've seen in Formula One design?
4: I think it's probably a lot stronger than people give it credit for. I, I, I did um, I did see a number for. For the the, uh, load that it's designed to withstand and it's far more in reality than it would ever see. I mean, the the roll hoop itself can, I think withstand something along the lines of 20 times the load or the weight of the car um, loaded onto it. So that gives you an idea of just how strong carbon fiber structures are these days. And, and actually, you know, if you ever see how these components are built, the actual, i guess artwork in a way that goes into laying up carbon fiber is is phenomenal um so these things are going to be strong i don't think the the strength of it the the fact that some arguments have been if it deforms in a major accident and is the driver going to be stuck in his car i don't think that's going to be such an issue i think it is purely a a visual thing um and um What's the word? I guess a purity concept of it. You know, yeah, it, yeah. I think well, it was.
2: I think it was Nikki Lauda that said, "Oh, it changes the DNA of Formula One." Yes, um,
1: like,
2: uh, mean Nikki Lauda. If anybody should be all behind anything safety wise, because he was the big he was the big safety proponent guy in the seventies. You know, he's the guy sure. that, that. that told the drivers, "Hey, it's too dangerous to race in the wet in Japan," and now he yep. wants to. He wants to. Uh, uh, cry a safety device because it looks ugly uh, you know I'm I'm sorry Nicky you're a hypocrite yeah I
4: think yeah I think you do you do look at it to that extent and I think Nicky a little bit recently should we say likes the sound of his own voice a little bit and um that's no disrespect to him. I mean he's a you know extremely talented driver and has achieved amazing things in the sport and has done a lot for safety but um there's a fine line here in safety and as as much as you know nobody wants to see um you know drivers be injured or you know tragically killed doing this in the sport you you have to remain you have to retain some connection with the past and you look at some of the recent accidents and you know you look at jules bianchi's tragic accident would this have helped save him? I doubt it would, due to the nature of the accident that he had. He
3: had a piece had, of equipment, didn't
4: he? He hit a, uh, a, a, a rescue tractor, yes. Yeah. Right. Um, and that was, you know, I think they've done a huge amount of work with the virtual safety car to try and remove those dangers. Um, yeah. You know, there is obviously, you've seen uh, with in the past few years with Henry Surtees in Formula 2 and Justin Wilson in IndyCar, you know, debris coming off cars, and also Felipe Massa at Hungary uh, a few years back, where he was hit by debris and components coming from other cars. I think it was, think a, it, it was a, like a uh,
2: suspension spring. It was a helmet, yeah.
4: Rear, rear damper off one of the Braun, Rubens Braun. brawn. Um, so you've got to be careful, but then do you? Uh, I'm still not convinced. I must admit, personally, I I genuinely don't know if this is the right way to go about it. Is it? It is obviously a danger, and the danger maybe, as we just mentioned, you know, has come from other forms of motorsport rather than necessarily directly from Formula One. And I know yes. the FIA do work very, very closely with other motor racing series around the world. And one thing I was reading about the new IndyCar is that. Um, Recently, um, you know, post, um, and we've discussed it. Uh, you know, re- recently the young British driver that lost his legs in the, uh, you know, Formula Four um, uh, crash, Formula Three crash. Sorry. Um, yeah, you know, they've actually longer. strengthened the. Yeah, they they they, they recently, that you know, they did actually redesign the crash rear crash structure on the on the new IndyCar because of that. So all the series around the world and NASCAR is part of that as well pool all of their information and pool all of their, their uh, resources and i i'm not sure i'm really not i'm not convinced in it from an aesthetics point of view and i'd like to see a clear case study where uh, you know i don't know you, you the more you think about you don't want to belittle the death of a driver that's the worst thing you can do but then you also got to make it understand that these are the guys that are doing it. And at the end of the day, when was the last racing driver that walked away from Formula One or walked away from IndyCar or walked away from NASCAR because it was too dangerous?
3: Yeah, that's true. Go ahead, Gray. Well, what I was going to say is I think it's, I think they're trying to be a little proactive in the event. Something unpredictable happens. Oh yeah. I, I do. I do think that, you know, There, it's been a, other than Bianchi's crash, which was, which was really, it was, that was a fluke deal because he hit the, hit the crane or the, or the piece, the, the, the the piece of equipment there that helps remove, uh, cars from the track. Um, something that, you know, in in most cases you're not, you're not dealing with. There hasn't been in in a number of years, a, a very serious, uh, Formula One crash, uh, well, I think the, maybe the last, people, the, yeah, the
2: last, people de- the last, death in Formula One before Bianchi was uh, Senna in 1994.
4: Right. And the last time that I can remember, I mean, obviously there was Massa's accident where the the, the damper um, hit his helmet. But then before then, the last time that something a bar apart from a tyre wall, you know, a, a um uh you know driver hitting his head in a, a tyre uh, wall. It was actually probably Carl Venlinger, actually at Monaco, the weekend after Senna's mm-hmm. death when he hit a water butt that was extre- you know, that was in a position on an exit road that was right at, you know, Helmet Height. Um, yeah. and he was in a coma for a few days. Um, Mick Meek had a similar accident, but you know, and was, was very badly injured in Adelaide, uh, in Australia. But again, that was more an issue that, you know, the Hans devices corrected that. Mm-hmm. Um, You know,
3: I think we I think to a degree,
4: a lot of the drivers
3: in Formula One have been lulled into a into a sense of security simply because these cars are so these cars are are so advanced now beyond what they were, even when even when Senna uh, had, had his crash. And I think that that leads to a lot of and leads to probably some of the pushback from the drivers over the halo. Uh, you know, for, for other reasons. And, and uh, you know, and I applaud uh, the FIA and Formula One for, for trying to be proactive, and, and in some cases probably trying to protect the drivers from themselves. But, um, yes. <laughs> y- y- you know, it's one thing, but when you talk about the rollover hoop on on the uh, on these cars, you, you have to go no further back than the Indy 500 to see how good that held up In uh, in uh, Scott Dixon's crash because that car landed upside down.
4: Oh yeah, I mean, you know, IndyCar actually in many ways has led a lot of the um, structural safety within motorsports. Um, I think you know the Formula One has probably led the way in trackside medical um, advances, but definitely Mm -hmm. a lot of the crash testing that goes on involved with IndyCar is, to a certain extent, out you know out performs what you see in the Formula 1 cars because with the oval racing you do have a lot more high speed impacts um in, in IndyCar than you're doing in Formula 1 and I uh yeah it wouldn't surprise it would not surprise me if that went away before the start of next year um you know Liberty Media are trying to be more involved with it and trying to be more integrated with the FAA with um, with regards to how they you know, support the sport appears um, on TV and how fans interact with it, and I think um, I, I think this will be seen negative on their part and again you 've got to very tread very very carefully you can 't be seen to be blase about safety, but I, I do think that um, the pushback on this is going to grow higher and higher well, especially let me, as let, me,
2: let me ask you this Richard. Do you think, like, we didn't give the windscreen a fair test? I mean, so everybody tested the halo, right? Almost every driver had, yeah. had a chance to drive the halo. Some said, oh, I can't even tell the difference. Others said, it obstructs my vision. Others said, I'm afraid I can't get out. We did one car with the windscreen. Vettel said it, it gave him a headache, and it made him feel a little dizzy. And then the next day, halo's mandated. I mean, I, I, read, yeah. a, I read a quote from, it was uh, Simon Pagenaud. Simon Passion was talking about um, moving from open wheels to sports cars. And he Mm -hmm. said that the the first time he got into a sports car that has the, you know, the big big windshield enclosed cockpit. And he said it kind of made him feel disoriented. But after uh, a short amount of time, it seemed natural and he didn't even notice it. So, I mean, did we not give the windscreen a fair shake?
4: Probably not. I think that's a fair comment. But I think he had gotten to the stage where no matter what you'd given the drivers, they would have said no to it. And in all fairness to Sebastian, he he can be a little bit temperamental and a little bit. Or I I get the impression he can be awkward to work with at times. You know, if something's not going his way, he's just gonna he's just gonna, you know, just be like, nah, whatever, and storm off. Um, So I, I think it was a little bit of an unfair test. As you say, it was. A little bit unusual that it's um, you know the decision to run the Halo came so quickly after um, he, he he'd said no. I mean, what would have happened if he said he loved it and it was so much better than the Halo? Yeah, I know. You know but, it makes you wonder. Yeah, so I, I think that was a little bit of a, um, a sort of preloaded uh, test there. But you, you, you know, a lot of these drivers do go back and forth between. Um, you know the sports cars and, and the single seaters, especially on the IndyCar side. Not obviously not quite so much on the uh, Formula One side these days. But um, yeah, as I say, I go back to the old. You know what I've mentioned earlier. The cars are incredibly safe. You've seen some incredibly violent and high energy accidents re- recently, and, and thankfully, in ninety nine percent of the occasions, the drivers walked away. These drivers are humans beings. Like like you and I, if we were putting ourselves in a dangerous situation, I'd like to think we would have the, um, you know, common sense to turn around and say, you know what guys, I'm not happy with this. And I think drivers have to be their own in certain certain circumstances. Anyway, their own sort of police policing system. Right. If the drivers turn around and say, Hey, look guys, there's bodywork flying off everywhere. We're being hit by debris every five minutes. We need to do something about this then fair enough. But there's very, very few comments on that level. And I think the drivers have to be trusted with their own safety. I think there's fundamental things which have to be done. And I totally agree with strengthening areas of the car and improving the strength and improving the integrity of the car. But to the same extent, I think drivers know their risks. They're all, you know, grown adults who, you know, consent to do this. They know the risks. And, I think sometimes you can be a little bit too overcautious. And again, not wanting to downplay the role that safety plays in Formula One and try to trivialize basically human lives, which is what we're talking about here. But I think you you do have to realize that these guys are doing what they're doing for a reason. And they know the risks. And they can walk away at any time. We are not forcing them to do what they do.
2: Yeah, and, and we are so far removed from the era where drivers were considered disposable, you know, and there was no yeah, I, I always, I always like to read stuff that uh, that one of my heroes, Jackie Stewart, writes about that time. You know, he says that the conditions were diabolical um, on the circuits. He says that the cars were designed to be you know faster and more fragile and. You know, and the team owners thought that. Well, you know, if the driver gets killed, we'll just hire another guy next week. Um, yeah, Mario, yeah. Mario Andretti said every every the first uh, drivers' meeting of every year. You looked around the room and you wonder who wasn't going to be there at the end of the year. I mean, we but are we are so far removed from that that the you know safety has come so far um, that that I think that uh, like you said, yeah, we need to maybe take a look at this halo thing and make sure we're not doing a knee jerk reaction to. You know, to a, a car that has pretty good head protection to begin mm-hmm. with. I mean, if you look at uh, what has happened, there's been uh, you know there's a couple of freak accidents here and there. So, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not a my, fan. My, not, I'm not a, I, not a fan of the Halo. But uh,
4: I will, the if, only area I think they could improve it on, and it's something I think we've seen in a couple of accidents recently, there was um, the. I guess famous one at Spa a few years ago when Grosjean decided that um, you know he wanted to overtake cars over the top um, when he landed on top of Alonso. Um, you, I think they need to improve the protection for the driver's hands because if their driver is you know when the driver turns his hand when he you know goes onto like ninety degree lock, his hand comes above the top of the, the the cockpit entrance. I think they may look at that area in a way um i said say there was the uh Grosjean incident there was an incident with uh I think it was Alonso and Raikkonen in Austria a couple of years ago where uh, Raikkonen went across the top of the nose of Alonso, and again you know just by coincidence in a way Alonso had his hands down in the cockpit um I remember Alex Wirtz and David Coulthard I think it was in Melbourne a few years ago came into a similar contact and the car sort of flew across the cockpit entrance I think there's enough protection around the driver's head from a side impact. I'm just my only, that would be my only comment to try and look to, to strengthen that area of the car a little bit to protect the hands a little bit more.
3: It's almost something like something land in his lap, you know?
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We can always, I mean, I'm I'm sure, you know, and like anything else, you can't anticipate everything. Racing is an unpredictable sport. And just when you think you've got it figured out, there's going to be a, some unpredictable set of circumstances that we've never seen before and something's going to happen and then we'll have to react to it. And that's what normally a lot of this stuff is. But, but yeah, I think, I think they're going to have to revisit this, this halo thing. And I think like, like Richard says, the pushback on it is going to be, is going to get louder as we get uh, closer to the end of the season and start of next year.
4: Well, I guess we move on to Hungary then.
3: Um, <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry.
2: I, I was doing all this talking and uh, had my microphone on mute. <laughs>
3: okay.
2: I was, well, <laughs> was going to say, yeah, so let's uh, – I was about to say, yeah, we're, we're up against the clock. Um, we're, we're in our green-white checker. So let's uh, – we've made our picks for um, for NASCAR. Let's go ahead and make our picks for IndyCars at Mid-Ohio. And we've got uh, Formula One in Hungary. So, uh, Richard, you want to pick first?
4: Um uh, mid Ohio. Ooh Let's go with Pagano. It's
2: a good pick. And who do you like for Hungary then?
4: It's gonna be it's gonna be Hamilton, but I, I, I think that um actually no, no I'm gonna swear. I'm gonna go to Valtteri. I think Hamilton's gonna have one of his sulking weekends again for some reason. He'll probably be on vacation, um <laughs> Rather than at the track, and I don't know his dog will be sick or something. I don't know, um, but I think that it could be quite a pivotal week, pivotal weekend in the championships. So I really do think that the Red Bull car will have a, you know, have the edge, and or at least be able to challenge Ferrari a lot closer. I think Mercedes will maintain that advantage, um, but I think that the the fight for second place in you know second place constructor car will be a lot closer between Red Bull and and Ferrari. I think you, you could. See um, Ricciardo on the on the podium and some uh, another lucky journalist having to do a shui, and um, you could see the Ferrari is a little bit further down in the pack.
2: All right. So, hey, Gray, what do you think about? It? You got mid Ohio and you got Hungary.
3: Okay, I think I think we're going to see a bounce back for for uh, for uh, willpower. Uh, he's he's had, had finished dead last in, in the last race we had. I think did what when that ride right? didn't he finish. Yeah, he, he got yeah, knocked he, out early. Got knocked out early. Yep. Uh, yeah, right. him, him, him and D- him and Dixon, Dixon got Dixon, Dixon took him out together. Yeah. Oh. So I think I think we'll see. Uh, Dixon's going to be strong up there, but I think we're going to see a bounce back for Will Power, and he'll take the win there at uh, in mid Ohio. Uh, gosh, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say it's been a couple. It's been several. Been about a month or so, six weeks before uh, since Ferrari made any noise. I'm going to. I'm going to stick in the Ferrari camp, and I'm going to say I'm going to say Vettel has a little bit of a bounce back this weekend at uh, at Hungary.
2: All right, man, that's a good pick. I'm, when I when I think about Hungary, I I think of that Hungary is a big chassis track, and and uh, you know despite the uh, gains in horsepower um, that Mercedes and Ferrari have over the Red Bull, I think Red Bull still has a pretty solid freaking chassis, and I'm going to go with Ricardo for Hungary, and. I, you know the mid Ohio. You know I look at uh, how many times Dixon has won there. I look at how well Will Power has run there, and, and then I remember Graham Rahal winning that, that thing two years ago. And that's And that's him. his home turf. And uh, you know when 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 I know Graham, when he's on, he's on. And like we saw him earlier at the at the, the duel in Detroit, where he won both uh, stages of that. So so I'm going to go Graham Rahal um, for. Uh, Mid Ohio at home, so uh, we got a, a, just a few moments left. We can just go around the go around the horn here for a final thought or two before we sign off. So I'll start with you, Gray.
3: Uh, uh, entering again, the last six races before the uh, before the playoffs. I think we're gonna. I think one thing to look forward to and, and to keep an eye on is, is these drivers that need to position themselves, pick up wins. And, and get and, and get on you know, firmer footing uh, for that playoff. We're going to see. I think we we're, we're really in for a treat these uh, the next six races. All
2: right, and Richard, your final comments for the night.
4: Uh, I just want to touch very briefly on a couple of series that we don't normally uh, don't normally talk about. But uh, over in Germany, the uh, the German touring car, the DTM series, you've got your three major German manufacturers that have been the. The powerhouses of that series, the Audi, Mercedes and BMW, this week Mercedes have announced that they're pulling out of the series and focusing full time on Formula E, which is a huge boost for Formula E and a pretty big blow for the uh, DTM series. So maybe that's showing a little bit of shift in the modern car culture, you know, going towards the more electric vehicles. And uh, that's that's quite a big statement, not only in the motorsport world, but also in the production car world as well. I think. Mm-hmm.
2: But yes. uh, you know what? I'll I'll piggyback on your statement by saying that I, I have noticed I, I I catch these Formula E races all the time, right? Um, and just the the amount the 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 sheer vast amount of manufacturers that are involved in that blows my mind. But that is that's yep. the future of the automotive world for for passenger cars. So um, you know why wouldn't they want to jump out of a uh, touring cars and try formula E. I, I just i i hate to envision a, a future where we're watching all electric racing um but uh you know you know 40 50 100 years from now that might be it you know we might be just uh watching the nice quiet races <laughs> so, but uh but my final thought of the evening is uh you know as we talk about formula e or as we talk about the new car. As we talk about the Halo concept, as we talk about uh, uh, you know maybe NASCAR trying a new package in Indianapolis, um, I just you know I just I just can't get enough of the evolution of racing, and and when I sit back and and remember what uh, racing was like when I went to my first professional race back in the seventies, um, and what we see today, I, I just love the way we push forward. Push the envelope, makes things different, makes things better, makes things faster, um, stronger, um, and, and slicker. Um, you know, I just, I just, I just can't get enough of the evolution of the sport. And I think over the next year or two, or especially the next four or five years, we're going to see a lot of major changes in all of the racing series. And and I think it's just exciting to be a part of. So. But with that, with that being said, I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network for hosting our show. I want to thank you, Gray and Richard. Um, appreciate talking to you guys tonight. thought it was a good show. I want to thank the listeners for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you all in a week. Good night.
1: W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O. That's W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O.